0: Nouns, verbs, articles, adjectives, adverbs, pronouns. Oh, please just stop with the grammar. Crystal Joy Campbell here. Thanks for joining me in Classical Matters. Today, we'll start to slay the beast of grammar. Even though our hearts cringe at the word, we'll begin our journey of a deep dive into seeing how grammar is the beginning of language and forms thinking. And we may be surprised to see how our hearts don't wither and die but bloom. So stick around. So today's topic, grammar. Yes, it is probably one of the most dreaded topics for most teachers and students, but I think most of us can at least answer in a basic way what grammar is. Grammar, as most of us know it, is the skill of understanding how a specific language works. The ins and outs, as you could say. It's understanding how words relate to words, how they function, how best to use them to communicate, either orally or in the written word. In our early years, we're initiated into grammar by our oral participation in the language. And we initiate our children the same way, correcting them when they say, we gone to the store. Instead, we say, no, honey, we went to the store. Some of us in our educational journey were introduced to formal grammar or the subject of grammar in elementary. Learning the parts of speech, what is a noun, what is a verb, and how to identify an adjective or an adverb. It's possible we could have even learned how to diagram a sentence. But many of us probably never got any extensive or formal teaching on the actual structure and functioning of grammar. And most of us likely never got any instruction on how grammar, beyond the subject, beyond the structure and functioning, is the beginning of language and forms thinking. And you're probably saying, what? Well, the art of grammar forms deep understanding of how language creates symbols representative of reality. I'm going to say that again. The art of grammar forms our deep understanding of how language creates symbols that are representative of reality. How when we observe and use language from this place, it impresses upon the mind not only the skill to use language, but forms and trains the intellect to think about reality using symbols so that we are able to express what is on our mind and in our soul this kind of grammar is totally foreign to us and at this point i assume most of you are just asking and wanting to know well what is grammar and how do i do it and it can seem pretty daunting to try and understand grammar on this new horizon from a place of words are symbols created to represent reality. It takes so much effort for our brains and also our hearts to expand our current understanding. And I appreciate this. I've been there, and I'm still there in so many ways. So in order to not overwhelm and discourage, what I would like to do is just lay some basic tracks or some basic rails for our train of thought to start down. This is not a total encapsulation of grammar or even a robust part, but a mere beginning. So let's start out. The first track is laying the rail of using what we know. We know that the skill or subject of grammar informs how to identify words. It teaches us that meaning is attached to words, that they represent something, and that Using words will help us to communicate, to express. Grammar gives us the ability to express what we see, what we encounter, what we experience, so that the meeting of minds that we have with others, ourselves and God, is more complete, more full. A term that helped me early on is the term naming. Grammar is naming. From our own children's dawn of language, we are always pointing toward the naming of things, experiences, and encounters, helping them to pay attention so to name better. The first task of Adam was naming. God brought the animals to him to see how he would address them, how he would name them. And whatever Adam named them, that was their name from that point forward. This indicates that the naming was not just simply labeling, but something more. That the naming was lasting, permanent, established in our memory. It is the start of remembrance. Once named, there was now the opportunity to address or invoke the thing being named. To enter into a participation with or a relationship with. God saw that the animals were not a sufficient helpmeet for Adam, so he created Eve. And this is how Adam responded. This is now bone from my bone, flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken out of man. His naming of Eve took form from a place of relating or comparing to himself. And so it is with us. In naming, there is a movement of relating or comparing. So, the beginning of grammar is naming. It's beyond labeling and toward imparting meaning, identity, participation with. Naming imprints upon our memory, giving rise to remembrance. And, in naming, by the very act of comparing... Our own thinking draws us to more fully understand not only the essence or being of that being named, but the essence or being of ourselves, the who, what, and where we are in the reality of things and with God. And all this in just the simple and natural act of naming. How glorious to understand this, to believe this, to live this. When we see Understand and experience the depth of naming. It elevates it. We approach it with awe and wonder and greater purpose. This is the first track, the first rail we lay naming, which will guide our thinking and understanding of the art of grammar. It will assist us as we explore more about what this art truly is. Now, the second track or rail that we will lay is how. How then are we to approach grammar with our children? Well, the first thing is we don't sit them down and present to them what I just presented to you. For grammar is very natural to humans and children who have yet to be dulled to its reality. It just needs to be encountered, experienced, seen so as it can be imitated. We give them good examples to imitate primarily ourselves as examples. Through our active participation in naming, our example, we model for them comparing and relating. We model for them the exploration of meaning and identity in naming. It will come through our teaching and our approach if our own understanding and belief is rooted in the depth and power of naming. We don't need to be well along in this path before we can present it to our children. We just need to start by turning our minds toward naming. We will grow alongside our children. Now, as I've said, naming is natural to the human person. And we've seen that with Adam in the naming of the animals and of Eve. So it doesn't really need to be taught, but more cultivated. And... We cultivate through questions, and questions that don't put the truth in the minds of our students, but questions that help them discover the truth for themselves. We encourage them and help them to strengthen their ability to pay attention and develop memory. We introduce them to the structure and function of grammar through the lens that Words are symbols created to represent reality. So, for example, we can see that these symbols represent different parts of reality. There are some words which represent more about the being of something, and other words that actually draw their meaning alongside other words. Think of it this way. In math, the numbers and figures and such, tell us something about the quantity or quality where the function, the addition, subtraction, multiplication, division, only really have their meaning when placed in relation to the number or figure. Or if we look at it with actual words, we can look at the noun dog, and it expresses being what characteristic it has, how it acts, etc., where the article a only really has meaning alongside with the noun dog. So we approach the actual skill of grammar with its techniques and processes as a tool, an instrument, which helps us get the job done and done well. The jobs it helps with is the jobs of creating symbol, the jobs of representing reality. So to recap, grammar is an art of language, which has structure and function and processes, but ultimately forms the mind in thinking about reality. It has been introduced as naming, which gives rise to symbols created to represent reality. These symbols are not just merely labeling, but a representation of meaning, identity, relationship, and comparing. Naming can be seen as our first task, as with Adam. So it's very natural for humans to do. And naming is the first rail we lay to guide us in our understanding and thinking about grammar. The second rail is putting naming into practice to be a worthy imitation for our students by approaching what we see, what we encounter, what we experience through the lens of creating symbol which represents reality. By encouraging our students to pay attention, to draw on memory, to compare and connect as they express reality through naming. We use questions that lead the student to discover truth for themselves. This is the beginning of the art of grammar. Join me next time as we continue to deepen and broaden our understanding and practices of the art of grammar. I am indebted to the written works of Sister Miriam Joseph in her book The Trivium, Stratford Caldecott in his book Beauty in the Word, and Kevin Clark and Ravi Scott-Jane in their book The Liberal Arts Tradition. Without them, I would still be stuck in grammar as a subject. I hope these short episodes of Classical Matters give you a springboard for the rest of your week to think, explore, contemplate, ponder, and discuss classical education. I would love to hear from you, because real transformation happens through dialogue, conversation, and community. Leave me a comment by following me on Facebook or reach out to me through my website. Both are linked in the show notes. Share this with a friend and follow the Classical Matters podcast and join the great conversation of classical education. And don't forget to tune in next time as we go deeper into the art of grammar. Blessings for your week.